Hey everyone, we are in conversation with Andrew Barnes, who is the co-founder and CEO of GoOne.com, one of the world's largest onboarding, compliance, and professional development platforms. Uh, Andrew is a really smart dude. Rhodes Scholar, Master's in Science and Education from Oxford University, PhD in Business Strategy from Queensland University, right there in Brisbane, Australia. Andrew, welcome to the show in conversation with. It's so good to have you here. Now, let's go back a bit in time. Uh, it's 2015. You and your uh, co-founder are thinking about Go One. You're thinking about education. You're thinking about you know, technology. And then you're thinking about the end user, the learner, the employee, the team member. I'm curious for you uh, to hear from you, sorry. What, what was kind of the missing link? You know, we're getting close to a decade ago, but what was the missing link with respect to kind of the education technology learning space and why did you feel compelled to, to fill it? Yeah, and it's great to be here, Dan. Um, so back in 2015, there were four of us, um, myself and three other co-founders, and, and we'd had sort of different experiences, I suppose, that we, we realized when we we're sort of sharing them and, and talking through them, that there was a, a common uh, a common core to it and that, that sort of then, gave rise to the, the idea around Go One and that common core, maybe to sort of run through some of those experiences. One of the co-founders is a medical doctor. And so as part of finishing up uh, medical school, would do a rotation through different hospitals and they would change every sort of two to three months, the hospital that they're working at. And as you would imagine in sort of a healthcare setting, there's a lot of important training that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But for the first two or three days, um, of doing a new hospital rotation, uh, Vu, who uh, is a medical doctor, would have to sit down at a computer at the hospital and repeat compliance training that they'd done just two months ago. Uh, things like hand washing training and other things, which are super important, but uh, if you're competent in them, maybe need to be refreshed once every 24 months, not every two months. And it was because the hospital systems couldn't share training records or, or learning records uh, between each other. Uh, another of the co-founders was working with the United Nations and uh, I suppose had this idealistic view that surely an organization as large as the UN would have their internal sort of L&D and training sorted. And, and they did not. Whoopsies. And yeah, right. That's it. And so when we're sort of talking through uh, this, and as you're mentioning, I was doing an MSc studying education. I thought, actually, there's, there's an opportunity to do something different here. And, um, if you sort of think of the world of corporate education, typically people think of content creators or sort of the software systems out there that develop um, that, that you can sort of do training within. And we thought, actually, we'll do something different. We'll just be the glue that connects both of those together. Um, so licensing hundreds and thousands of, of different sort of content creators and making it then easily available to organizations and their end users across different systems. So. If you do complete training at organization A, organization B can see that you don't need to sort of sit down for two to three days as you sort of start a new role. Um, all those training completions can be shared. And if, if you're working at a big organization or a small organization, you can have a great, um, great access to a diverse range of skills and topics to learn from. So interestingly, uh, as the recovering chief learning officer that I, I, I call myself uh, from time to time, one of my biggest uh, nigglers, I suppose, was that um, 
the LMS trapped education and the LMS was almost beholden to whatever content you could throw in it. And then, you know, once you ended up saying, wait a second, what can I transfer that somewhere else? Or can I bring in, you know, a, a content from elsewhere without having to it be a SCORM course or AICC course or what have you? It just sort of almost was impossible. So in in if you don't mind, in layman's terms, what's content aggregation and sort of I believe that um, you know, goal one is is that as you say, glue that binds the book together. But what how does it work, I suppose, and what's the benefit to both the organization and maybe even end users, uh, people like me. Yeah, so the the exact problem that you were just describing is exactly what what we um, address. And so the idea that as an individual within an organization, as a HR or L&D leader wanting to sort of train a, a team, we want to make it really easy to learn in all the different areas that, that make sense. So whether it's in the corporate LMS and that might be success factors or Oracle or Workday or Cornerstone or... Chabo or Degreed, whether it's an LMS or an LXP, uh, or it could be within your HRIS, or, or increasingly what we're seeing is individuals and organizations wanting to learn within Teams, Slack, uh, Workplace, or uh, within their CRM. Uh, we might be using Salesforce and wouldn't be great to, to be able to learn in the flow of work in that regard. So what we do is we just make sure uh, the content that an organization wants to access. And, and again, it could be in all the wonderful different formats that you described, SCORM, AICC, XAPI, LTI, could be a video file, it could be a, a document, whatever it is, we normalize it and make it available in all of those platforms. And so if you start doing some training, say in Microsoft Teams, and then you go into the LMS, you can continue doing it there. And the, the way we sort of think of it internally is it doesn't matter what system you're accessing, uh, and imagine you go out and you buy a new television. It could be a Samsung, a Sony, an LG TV. It doesn't really matter. Chances are it'll have a Netflix button. And if yeah. you start watching that show on Netflix on your TV, and then you go and you uh, continue on your mobile phone or your tablet, picks up where you where you left off. That that horizontal layer of content is is exactly what we focus on. So we make sure whatever the format it plays and whatever the end application, all the contents there. So would you consider Go One more invisible thus to the end user and however your main target customer would be the CHRO, CLO, the executive that needs uh, a more formidable way, if you will, to ensure that the content uh, has connections to other content repositories? Uh, we, we don't have a an ego around brand, but we, we think it's important that when people are accessing content, they know it's something that we're powering because those learning records that, that we're sort of speaking about, uh, our view is that they fundamentally belong to the individual, the learner. Yeah. And so yeah. for that individual, you might be working within sort of large enterprise uh, doing some training, but if you then move on to a different firm, how do you have access to that? And by virtue of uh, using GoOne, that individual does, and, and equally that value proposition to the, the CHRO or the L&D leader, um, we can sort of unlock access to hundreds of thousands of great pieces of content. Uh, so we, if you sort of think of Netflix or Spotify, the great things about those platforms really is the content and the same is true for us. So if you're using GoOne, the reason you're doing that is because you can access Harvard Management or, or Skillsoft or Coursera or Blinkist or, or some fantastic providers. And so that's that's the core value proposition, but you still know you're using Spotify and Netflix to, to get access to the great content. 
So you brought up a good point there, right? So that is, uh, what 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 are your competitors, I suppose, and who are your co-opters, and then who, frankly, do you partner with so that the the you know it's a seamless experience. So you you know you mentioned the Corsairs, you got the Udemy's, you've got where content lives and people can go in and take it uh, on a on an end user license. Their company may have an organizational license, LinkedIn Learning, for example, right? And then you've got other, I guess. Um, collaborators perhaps in the space. So the gloats, the degrees, right? Uh, some of the other glues that are out there. And then you've got thinkifics and you've got people who create content in a learning space or allow you perhaps to be a content creator. So take us through all of that, if you will, and, and where does go on fit in the whole ecosystem? Yeah, probably a great example is uh, thinking about you could be a, an organization using Degreed. And we've got lots of customers that use Degreed and it's a fantastic platform and you're looking to get access to content. Um, and it could be Coursera, it could be edX, it could be Udemy, it could be Skillsoft, it could be any of, of hundreds of other content creators. Yeah. And we work with them. We've got a, um, partnerships with, with all those, those firms that I just mentioned. We can make that available within Degreed um, and at the same time, make that available within Teams and Slack and Workplace and, and other, other locations. So it probably comes across a little bit uh, kitsch to sort of say that we, we we sort of think the pie is big enough for everyone to share. We we fundamentally see all of those players as as really important partners in how do we help an organization and an end user get access to the best training that that they possibly can. Love it. Okay, so I'm an individual content creator. Uh, let's say it's me. I'm an author. I have. Uh, the want and the will uh, and maybe even the wherewithal to create leadership content for the masses. So what, what would I, what's my, what's your suggestion? What do I do? How does Go One help me get my content out to the world then? Yeah, we, we've got a bunch of content creator tools, but we also then work with, you might want to use articulate or something to create the content will, will also allow you to import and embed content that you might have created elsewhere as well. So I think it really depends on what style of content you're looking to create. Um, is it a podcast? Is it uh, sort of a, a video course? Is it something where you might have quizzes and assessments, choosing the right tool that's going to help you do that? And then if you want access to our audience of millions of learners, then you can add that to our platform and uh, control the sort of licensing and, and distribution of it um, to that audience. But yeah, fundamentally, the, the content creation tools, we, we want to make them as easy as possible, but definitely know that there's, a, again, a, a wide library of different options out there and want to make it possible for people to author in whatever um, experience makes sense for them and, and then add it to the library if, if they want to access the distribution that we can provide. Love it. Uh, it's great, Andrew. Okay, um, let's shift gears a little bit and think about the industry itself. So let me take you back to 2015. Uh, there's four of you, you're up and running. And five years later, you're up and running in a much more demonstrable way. Yet, uh, as I like to say, Friday the 13th hit seven and a half billion people, and the pandemic hits. So what was it like between 2015 and 2020? from an industry perspective, from the growth of Go One, kind of what you saw. Uh, and then as the wheels fell off the proverbial earth bus on uh, Friday the 13th of March of uh, 2020, what have you noticed over the past two years then from an industry perspective? We'll talk about learners and organizations. I'm talking about the learning industry specifically first. 
Yeah, the, the sort of super interesting thing, at least when we look at it, is from a go one perspective first, is if you zoom out and you look at the, the sort of seven years from 2015 through to today, uh, we, we've doubled every single year. And so you sort of go, oh, well, it's pretty consistent, nothing changed. But when you zoom in, and I think this is um, sort of representative of the industry as a whole, in that sort of March, April, May period, uh, we yeah. had customers sort of cancelling contracts, nothing happening. It was the first time in, in our business that we, we went backwards. Uh, for a high growth business, you never go backwards. Um, but I, I think what, what happened as you were sort of describing is um, the whole world changed overnight was I suppose a, a knee jerk reaction around how do we sort of stop everything we're doing? How do we cut anything that we think is potentially discretionary? And I think unfortunately for a lot of organizations, they view training and investing in, in sort of learning and development as discretionary. And, and so uh, that's, that's certainly what we saw. Um, and a couple of months go by and I think people and organizations very quickly realize that, hey, maybe it's not as discretionary as we thought, uh, <laughs> making sure that we can sort of help equip our teams to be successful is critically important. Uh, let's invest in it. And, and even more so, let's sort of think about how do we uh, train our teams in a world where a lot of people, like the vast majority of people, uh, particularly early in the, the pandemic, forced to work at home, forced to sort of no longer be in an office environment. How do we sort of change all of those uh, modes of, of engagement where you might've had people fly to a conference uh, or do some professional development in person or get a speaker in, uh, all of that, that's sort of changing. So when you zoom out, at least um, sort of seems really consistent, but I think there was this sort of spike where perhaps businesses um, saw L&D and training as, as something that was not essential and, and then very quickly realized that, no, it's, it's in fact more essential than ever before. <laughs> it was a bit of a deer in headlights approach when a lot of CFOs got involved and started whacking, you know, the quote training costs as opposed to the learning development and, uh, it, you know, team member investment uh, piece. So I completely understand and, and fully agree. Did you, if we go back to industry just for a second, because I do want to come back to organizations and people, but in industry, have you noticed anything um, specific to the last two years, you know, uh, once upon the pandemic hit where, other education tech players are doubling down, new entrants that have come in that sort of are now nipping at your heels or at least saying, hey, you know, I see there's opportunity here in this, you know, so-called learning investment space. Yeah, there's um, certainly, I think, a lot of activity. Uh, and, and I think that was across the whole space. So focusing on corporate education, I think a lot of individuals um, had plenty of time on their hands. And, and so uh, the likes of uh, the individual sort of B2C course marketplaces like Udemy and Coursera um, took off. Yeah. Some of the tools that you were sort of describing for content creators, whether it's Thinkific or Kajabi or Teachable or, or, or whatnot, I think, again, um, people looking for income streams where they could sort of work from home and uh, share their, their sort of knowledge with the world, um, they seem to sort of take off. And, and I think what we also saw is like everyone sort of, and we're on Zoom right now, uh, everyone sort of knows the explosion that occurred with Zoom and Teams and video conferencing more broadly. I think there was a very similar thing when it came to, okay, how do we take a lot of in-person learning events and take them online? Mm -hmm. And so seeing uh, 
virtual conferences, seeing uh, a real focus, I suppose, on cohort-based learning, which is uh, really interesting to sort of see labeled as this, this new thing. Um, my wife's a, a primary school teacher, so I think she described cohort-based learning as something that's been around for, for quite a while, but <laughs> perhaps in a corporate setting and in a digital setting, it's, um, it's something that's, that's new and exciting and I think is, is a really important part of thinking about how do we learn as, as human beings. So all of those things, I think, are, have been really interesting to watch from an industry perspective and, um, and be involved in. Oh, you're spot on. And God bless your wife, because, you know, I think uh, University of Bologna might have invented cohorts, which is just basically, you know, a class of students learning together over a period of time. But, you know, who am I to who am I to judge uh, when we look at the organizations and, and looking with your kind of crystal ball gazing hat on for a second here, Andrew, what do you see happening, if you will, over the next couple of years or so Are organizations now? Uh, in a in a more comfortable spot than to say, yeah, you know what, the way we used to do it was pretty pretty dumb. With uh, whether it's just the LMS or maybe the LMS uh, and all you know face to face kind of get your butts in a seat type of model. Um, tell a bit, tell us a bit about how you see things playing out over the next few years uh, from the vantage point of you know your go one lens, but just maybe the the, the industry itself. Yeah. Uh... I wish I had a crystal ball, uh, <laughs> sort of dust it off and, and uh, peer into it. Probably my, my best guess is, is um, that it'll, it'll just continue to evolve. Uh, and so it sounds like a non-answer, but if, if you sort of think of it, and certainly when I talk to chief learning officers or L&D leaders, HR leaders, CEOs, CFOs, uh, there's a, suppose an intuitive awareness that we have as society that education is important. And um, there's a... An awareness that particularly within a workplace setting investing in your people is important like this it sometimes there's sort of different acute events that, that make people sort of um sort of knee jerk away from that for a period of time but i think people come back to you no know, we we need to invest in our people for for a variety of reasons how do we sort of ensure our team are more productive and able to sort of do more but also how do we attract and retain talent uh, as as a really important um part of of why we as organizations invest in people but I think there's still a, a, a real difficulty in, in measuring ROI beyond that. There's this intuitive um, understanding that we have that training is important. And there's some broad sort of statistics that particularly larger organizations can look to to sort of see the impact of training. But if you're a small business with 50, 100, 200 team members, there's not that, that science around it. And so I think one of the the things that, that I would suggest as, as a bit of a prediction for the next couple of years. So I think technology is getting to the point where we can start seeing um, that impact a little bit more clearly and perhaps being a little bit more specific and targeted in how we approach education. And so uh, the, the opportunity rather than sort of do a um, sort of a mass broadcast from one person to sort of a thousand people in a lecture theater or everyone sort of engaged in the same curriculum. I think there's an opportunity to tailor it much more to the individual and, and then to see that translate through to, to higher impact, higher ROI, uh, however an organization wants to sort of measure and, and quantify that. Andrew, I love the idea of bespoke learning. You and I can uh, call it that going forward. We'll go into business and come up with bespoke learning because I think that's exactly what you're on about when we have the opportunity to tailor 
education to the needs of the employee slash learner such that it's not you know a mass broadcast such that uh, it's very targeted because as we all know time is is the new oil it's the new currency and we need to be more efficient yet effective with our time so i think you are spot on with that analysis and and the roles and skills and experiences that uh, we each bring to bear are very different they're very heterogeneous so you could pick any organization, like you can imagine, say, a, a hospital, uh, and you go, okay, well, that seems to be a pretty simple um, business. There'd be a bunch of healthcare workers, but no, hospital employees, obviously, some medical staff, nursing staff, uh, they've got receptionists, they've got IT admins, they've got accountants, they've got a whole set of roles where the, the learning journeys are going to be very different um, compared to each other. The, the sort of finance team are going to need to be equipped with very different skills to to the nursing team and so um yeah it becomes sort of super intuitive when you take sort of a an example like that and and i think the ability to tailor training much more specifically to to each of those individuals uh is is going to be something that i think will increasingly uh will we'll increasingly see Sounds a lot like we're stealing a page from your wife and uh, what we've got to do inside a classroom for primary school kids as well, right? It's very tailored and making sure that you address the needs of the kids. So why don't we just take that great model and maybe use it for adults? Sounds like a good idea, no? Simple. <laughs> Listen, it's been great to catch up with you, learn a lot more about your thoughts, your uh, your leadership, and certainly um, go one. Where uh, It might be obvious, but where can people find more about uh, the organization and what you do? Yeah, a website, as you mentioned, is goone.com. So G-O, then the digit one, uh, com, And that's probably the best place to, to find out more. Andrew, it's a pleasure, everyone. This is Andrew Barnes. Uh, he's the co-founder and CEO of Go One. Uh, lovely to speak with you. Thanks again. And uh, best of luck as uh, you grow for the next several years. Thank you, Dan.